Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Oh my goodness. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is a good place to be, amen? We're gonna continue our sermon series today um, from Acts chapter two. We are doing a, there it is. We're gonna continue our sermon series today. It's really a, it's a lot of S's. A sermon, summer, study, series that's spiritual. I don't know, we can more S's. <laughs> All right, and it's on, it's on the book of Acts. And so what we're doing is we're doing the early, early church, which is Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4. So last week, I gave you guys some homework so that you could finish up Acts chapter 1. How many of you guys did your homework? Man, that's a lot of you guys. Great job. If you missed it, you can always jump on. We post it throughout the week on our Instagram, the little swipe up thing. Hey, we got swipe up now. I, it's a, we're so fancy. I know, right? I love it so much. So we post our homework there. And uh, man, I got to tell you guys, I have already enjoyed this sermon series. Uh, we started last week with Acts 1. We're going to move ahead today in Acts chapter 2. You guys really pray for me because I'm going to talk a little bit today about speaking in tongues because that's what the text has given us. And uh, I realized that that can be a bit of a controversial topic, uh, but I believe with everything in me that God wants to bless us with the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, church, but I want everything. Everybody said everything. Every single thing that God wants to bless me with in his kingdom, amen? I want everything. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit's included in that. During the first service, man, I was just wrecked. That's what we say around here, wrecked. Just destroyed in the presence of God in the most beautiful way. And uh, I, I, I left the altar space and I walked back and uh, we do this thing like we walk through, that's where our microphones are, we got a little booth right there. And I made it up the steps and I just broke down and started crying. And I sat in there for about 30 seconds, just weeping in that hallway right there, just so grateful for the presence of Jesus. And I thought to myself, I better pull it together before somebody sees me. Somebody's going to put me on Instagram or something. And, you know, so I went back and so I came out during the first service and I was just on the verge of tears uh, getting ready to preach. And then in the second service, it couldn't have been different because Remy was really angry that she couldn't come on stage with mom. She's here, and she was just throwing a fit in the back back there, and I thought, man, how different this picture is than the first service. The first service, you know, I'm back there just crying, and in the second service, she's back there just crying. And I thought to myself, you know, it all really pays the same. No matter what it looks like, God is so good, amen? No matter what it feels like, God is so good. No matter what it costs, God is so good. And no matter what we get out of the message or get out of church today, we know that God is faithful and God is so good. Amen? So y'all ready to go? All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, please. Uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, we'd love for you to bring your physical Bible if you can because we're reading a lot of scripture. Acts chapter 2, open in your app, uh, your physical Bible, if you've got it. We're going to read a lot of Bible today. Are you okay with it? Yeah. Awesome. We're going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verses 1 all the way to verse 21. I'm, I'm glad that you guys are ready to go and are feeling perseverant today because we've got a lot of reading to do. Are you guys ready? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I know you've already been standing, lifting your hands, praying out loud, singing. It is a little hot in here, but one of our core values is healthy. So we're going to get you doing some calisthenics today, all right? So if you don't mind, please stand up with the Word of God. We're going to read all 21 verses together in concert, out loud, in unison. 
All right, so Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody shout amen. amen. And before you're seated, let's read uh, verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone. Everybody say, that's me. Whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Lord, we thank you for your word that is always faithful, good, and transformative. Lord, we ask that you would minister to us in a profound way today. So seed into our spirit that would bear great fruit in our lives. We bless you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Woo, 21 verses of scripture. You should pat yourselves on the back. That's a lot of reading for a Sunday morning. But man, I'm so excited that we are in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is all about the third person of the Trinity named the Holy Spirit. Or if you grew up charismatic Pentecostal like me, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. I remember as a child, you know, the elders and the deacons, they'd bring you to the front and you'd get filled with the Holy Ghost. Even when you didn't want it, you were going to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yep, they bring you up. You're going to pray through. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know what praying through is, but that's what, that's what, we need to bring it back, don't we? We need to bring back praying through. But that's what would happen to me when I'd take a seat in the back, you know, trying to be a punk at 16 and my Aunt Nellie would come get me by the ear. Come on, boy, you're going to pray through. 
you're going to get the Holy Ghost today. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you know, we call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles, but you could also refer to the book of Acts as the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because over 50 times in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Yes, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but it definitely could be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. We see Jesus promising in the Gospels, right, that he will, in fact, build his church, right? He makes that prophetic promise. And then in the book of Acts, we see Jesus fulfilling that promise, building his church. That's what's happening all throughout the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a wonderful expression of the Great Commission. If you've ever wondered what in the world were the disciples thinking when they heard Jesus give them the Great Commission, well, just read the book of Acts. Because you'll see their lifestyle become a manifestation of the Great Commission as they seek to obey Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It's a wonderful book because you've got, you know, the Gospels, which are all about Jesus' teaching about the gospel of the kingdom. And then you've got the rest of the Bible after Acts being letters, epistles that are written to churches. And so the book of Acts is this beautiful book. It's a wonderful marriage as the kingdom and the church come together. And that's why I love to say if you're a kingdom person, you're a church person. And that's what we see happening in the book of Acts. It's a wonderful display of what God can do through us, his church, when we are fully yielded and completely surrendered to that divine person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus did not come to earth to show us what God can do. He came to earth to show us what man might do in right relationship with God. What would be possible if the sermon today, not from me, but from the Lord, somehow, some way took root in your heart and you walked out of this place and you said, I'm going to live my life in complete surrender to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to live my life like Jesus. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was baptized, or actually it was, I think it was Matthew, was it Matthew 3? 4 and 5? 3. Let's go, Jordan. And he got baptized in the river, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Who else would know but Jordan? And did you guys notice that it said the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, right? And upon Jesus, it remained. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, you know, the dove's on me for a day and then he's gone for a week and then he's on me for a season. Come on, you know, charismatics, we're so good at calling things seasons. And uh, as Pentecostals, we're awesome at transition. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit, you know, rests upon Jesus. And I'm just wondering what it would look like for a church filled with followers of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would descend upon us on a Sunday morning and it would remain. I mean, we always love to talk about our sensitivity to the Spirit, but we so rarely talk about the sensitivity of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is embodied as a dove in the Gospels, could you imagine living life with a dove resting on your shoulder? How sensitive is that dove? That, that's why it remained upon Jesus, and that's why so often it seems as though we don't know where he went. Where'd he go? But what I'd like to talk about today is how you and I can very consistently in our lifestyles carry the presence of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and he descend upon us as he did the church in Acts chapter 2 like we read today and remain. 
So we've kind of been going verse by verse, and I'm not going to get down to the tail end of verse 21 or anything, but let's start with Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, uh, the Bible says that it was on the day of Pentecost, right, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together and they were in one place, right? They were in one mind and one accord, right? We hear that quoted often, and I have no idea how 120 people got in the same Honda. Preacher joke. Preacher joke. Is it allowed? Preacher joke. But they were, they were, in, this, they were in this unity, right? They were all in the one place. They're, they're in the upper room. Like you had 500 people. They watched Jesus ascend. We talked about that last week from Acts chapter 1. And then you've got like 10 days later, there's only 120 left, the remnant that stayed. And I just believe, man, I want to prophesy this over our church. We're going to be like the 120 that stayed. We're going to... You know what I mean? Like, not satisfied with simply seeing Jesus do some supernatural stuff, but really invest our life into holding fast to Jesus' promises for our city, for our university, for what he wants to do in our life, releasing revival and say, I'm going to stay put where Jesus told me to stand and wait upon the promise of the Father because I'm believing for an outpouring. And that's what took place on the day of Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. I know Pentecost is like a fancy word, and it is kind of because it's a Christian holiday. But here's what Pentecost means. It means 50th. That's all it means. It just means 50th, right? It is 50 days after Passover. You know that Jewish holiday that was celebrated whenever Jesus was, uh, when Jesus resurrected? Because we know that Jesus, in fact, is that Passover lamb. That when his blood is applied to the doorpost of our heart, death passes over us. That's good news, isn't it, Todd? So here it is, 50 days later, we call it Pentecost, you know. Uh, but in Hebrew culture, that was actually called uh, the Feast of uh, the Harvest. That's pretty interesting, wouldn't you think? Feast of the Harvest. Look at Jesus' harvest. All right, and in the same way that Jesus was the Passover lamb at his resurrection, and then he spent 40 days, we read this last week, talking with his disciples about the kingdom of God. And then he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there and wait on the promise of the Father. And then 10 days later, it just so happens to be 50 days after Passover. Now it's the Feast of the Harvest, and the Holy Spirit is poured out. They also called it the Feast of the First Fruits. And in the same way that Jesus was the Passover lamb, Jesus also is the First Fruits. I actually, go ahead. I told you guys I wouldn't use that scripture, but let's look at it real quick. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the fulfillment of both parties. And, and, and he's celebrated in his own way by releasing the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to those who were in the upper room on that day. Let's go to verse 2. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound, everybody say sound. sound, like a mighty rushing wind. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Like you're just hanging out at a prayer meeting with 120 people, probably very exhausted. I mean, they went from 500 to 120, so the tarrying that was taking place was probably somewhat exhausting. When is the promise of the Father going to come? I told Jesus he shouldn't have ascended. This would have been so much better had he stayed here and hung out with us. And, and, and yet Jesus says, no, no, no. You're going to have to let go of me and let me ascend to the Father because it's better that I go so that the helper can come. And so they're waiting, wondering, when is this going to come? The Bible actually says they're sitting They're not even pacing around like we do here at local prayer room on Thursday morning. They're not even like, you know, really getting after it. And then all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to watch that DVD in heaven because I wonder what that's like. You're just, you're sitting there in a prayer room with 120 people. And then all of a sudden you hear a sound like this isn't like an internal sound like that you feel like that you hear. No, no. This is an audible You ever see like National Geographic, right? Like you see a hurricane. It seems as though it's pretty loud. And so they're all in there, they're praying, they're waiting. And then all of a sudden they hear the sound. Everybody say the sound. 
the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. That means everybody heard it, just filled every square inch of the place with the big sound, right? And divided tongues as a fire appeared. Everybody say appeared. So remember we talked about witnesses last week. A witness is somebody that has both heard and seen something. If you haven't heard something personally and you haven't seen something personally, then it's impossible to testify. Because we are called to be eyewitnesses, not just people who repeat stories third party. So they're in the upper room, the 120, and they hear the sound. And then not only do they hear something, but now, church, they also see something. And the Bible says it's like divided tongues. What does that even mean? Has that ever confused you before? You're like, what the world is a divided tongue? You ever see a flame emoji? You just That's what it is. So they, I mean, can I have a little bit of liberty with the text, right? Okay, so like. They hear this sound, and it's like roaring in there, and then all of a sudden, like a fire drops in the room. Can you guys imagine this? This would be wild. Like, I hope this happens on a Thursday morning. And then a fire drops in the room, and then the fire starts going to each and every person, and not one person that's in the house is left out. It doesn't just go to the people that Jesus said, you're an apostle. It doesn't just go to the people that are considered to be important. It goes to every single person because it's for every single person. And the fire starts flickering like the flame starts blazing on the heads of every single person that's in the room. Can you imagine what that would have been like? You're like watching the flame and you're like, is it on my head too? Is it on my head too? He's like, it's on your head too. It's on her too. It's on him too. That would have been awesome. So, you know, they, they heard the mighty rushing wind. And then, and then they saw the fire, and then let's go on. It says it rested on each of them, and they were all filled. Ooh, I'm feeling filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Did it say as they exercised uh, their own ability through their own strength, making a decision to talk in a different language. No, 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 no. See, this is not a work of man. It's not a work of the flesh. It's a work of the spirit. They spoke in other tongues, not on the basis of their own merit or strength. They spoke in tongues on the basis of the grace of the promise of the father. As the spirit provided utterance, they began to pray in another language. So they heard something, then they saw something. And then you know what? They heard something again. We can't miss that. They heard something a second time. What was it that they heard aside from the sound of a mighty rushing wind? They heard the sound of every single person in the room being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in another tongue. Is it, can we all agree this is weird? It is, right? Because you're... There, like maybe this is happening in the actual upper room. And then they're all filled. There's fire happening. There's sounds happening. I don't know who decided to go out of the upper room and when they decided to go into the temple courts and mess up the party that was the feast of the harvest where 17 people groups were represented, which by the way, is all of the known world at the time. All of those people groups are there. All of those Jewish people are there. And they spill out these 120 into this party. And then they're being looked at and said, uh, these guys are drunk. Do you guys see that? That means to me they had to be acting a little bit abnormal. They're drunk. And notice that whenever Peter stands up to preach, he doesn't correct them. I'll see, I ain't going to go there with me 11 a.m. Okay, I get it. He didn't correct them. He said, no, no, they're just, they're not drunk like you think they are. <laughs> they still drink, they just switch brands. They're full of the spirit, which has always amazed me why we call liquor spirits, because it just might be a counterfeit. I heard Grace say it up here, like, are you, any of y'all worship drunk? Listen, you think you've had fun partying in the world? Wait till you experience a Holy Ghost party in the church. 
There is nothing like it in the world. I'm telling you right now, I've had so much more fun in worship services than I ever did at parties, clubs, getting high, drinking. None of that can compare to the bliss experience that we all get to receive through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And God's been talking about this for a long time. He didn't start in Acts chapter 2. Look at Psalm chapter 15. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, God, is pleasures forevermore. How many of you guys know that if you translate the word Eden, you know what it means? Paradise. That's pretty amazing. God forms the man, right? We become uh, the dream of God in the flesh. He said, I'm going to put you down right here in pleasure. Because yes. that's what Eden means. Okay, so y'all ain't trying to party with me this morning. That's okay. It's okay, I understand. Listen, I'm still a bartender since I've been saved. I just serve a different spirit. Listen, before I was saved, man, I was what they would call an instigator at parties. Oh, try that, do this, do that, do this, take a drink of this, oh my. Still a bartender, just serving a different spirit, and I'm still an instigator. Oh, come on, go up, go on up to the front. Yep, come on, lift your hands. Yep, yep, go ahead. Try it out, speak in tongues. You got this. <laughs> you ain't never lifted your hands before? Lift your hands, it's amazing. You never danced before? Just give me a little. Give me a little of that. Come on, get free. He who the sun is set free is free indeed, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still an instigator. And I, I know, like, look, listen, I know Acts 2 is weird. I know our church is weird. I get it. I get it. That's why, you know, the Bible says you're going to be a peculiar people. And no one has ever left this building thinking, those people are normal. <laughs> you're going to be weird. You're going to be strange. You're going to be a spectacle. That's the reality of following Jesus if you're really following it's weird. And Acts chapter 2 is weird. But listen, it's not biblically spectacular from the standpoint that we have plenty of other instances throughout the scripture to show us that God loves to manifest himself by both hearing his spirit and seeing his spirit. That's not really that abnormal. If you go back and you look at Exodus chapter 19, you'll see that Moses on Mount Sinai both heard the sounds of thunder and the clap of lightning. He's hearing the sounds and then he's seeing the glory of God manifesting as smoke and what else? Come on, Pentecostals. Fire! <laughs> fire, fire, fire. We love to pray that over each other, don't we? <laughs> should be careful because you know what fire is holiness <laughs> that's what it is that's what fire is it's that holy fire of God it's biblically pretty normal like you see it happening with Moses and then you look a little bit ahead in first Kings and then you see it again happening with Elijah as he's up on the mountain and then he starts to hear the earthquake? He's like, God's not in the earthquake, though. And then what does he see? Fire. And he sees fire, right? Come on, everybody who went to Sunday school, you know, your whole childhood. And then he sees fire, and he said, well, he's, but he's not in the fire. He's in the still, small voice, right? The sign is not God. The sign points to God. That's actually the definition of a sign. Did you guys catch that? <laughs> when you're driving on the highways, like, oh, there's a sign. What does a sign do? It gives you directions. When you see crazy, wild, weird stuff happening, it's like, oh, that's a sign. That's what he called it, right? Even Peter stood up and preached. He's like, there's going to be signs in the heavens and on the earth. What's that sign going to do? It's going to point to who? Woo! Even the 
expression, the manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues is a sign, but it's not about the speaker. It's not even about the hearer. It's about the giver who is Jesus. So it's not actually that biblically abnormal for there to be a sound and for there to be, um, you know, a sight. And even whenever uh, Moses, you know, he comes up on the burning bush, right? Like he sees this bush that's burning and yet it is not consumed in a very similar way in Acts chapter 2. Whenever the cloven tongues as a fire rest upon each and every person, they are burning, but they're not consumed. You, you hear the wind, which is the breath of God. Right? The creative nature of God whoo, breathing into the place. And then you see the fire of God, which is his spirit, which is to purify, to purge, to burn up all of the chaff and everything that was unusable. And that's why Jesus said, hey, yeah, you're going to be baptized in the spirit and, what did, what did John say? And Fire, you know why? Because you're going to need fire to accomplish the great commission, the commandments that Jesus gives you, which is what we see in the book of Acts, which is why Peter, whom we read about today, could stand up in the face of people who crucified the Messiah 53 days previous and preach the gospel without fear. You know why? Because his fear was burned up in fire in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that everything unusable in you can be burned up so that you can do exactly what God's called you to do in your life. If you're going to be a New Testament, New Covenant, um, you know, ambassador of the kingdom of God, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm just going to tell you. You need it. Look at your neighbor and say, you need it. And they're, they're, you know, so they receive the baptism, right? And then they start speaking in other tongues. You guys doing good? You guys okay? You guys okay? They start speaking in other tongues. Which, once again, we can all acknowledge, it's kind of weird. Right? It is. But you know what? Jesus, he actually said in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 16, he said, here's how you're going to know who the believers are. He said, these signs will accompany them. Number one, they're going to cast out demons. Let's go. Number two, they're going to speak in New tongues. Now, these, this is like the red letter words, church, okay? This is the words that come from Jesus personally. He said that believers will know who they are because they'll speak in new tongues. These are the words of Jesus. He plainly says this. And if you want to know what tongues mean, I did a little word study. I looked it up in the Greek. Here's what it means. Languages. All right? While tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mystical... Could we demystify it just a little bit and say, like, that's what Jesus was saying. They're going to speak in new languages. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, he means, like, coherent languages. Like, they're going to go to language learning school. They're going to uh, learn new languages so they can be a missionary and speak in the same language of the people where they're sent to. No, no, no. Speaking in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you are an English speaker, does not mean speaking English. Right? All right just hold on. I'll explain it. So we, we actually see a biblical progression with tongues, which is kind of awesome. Like when you, when you look at the book of Genesis, I believe it's chapter 11, if I'm not mistaken. Genesis chapter 11. Um, you guys remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Yeah. Right? What was happening? I know you guys are hot. I'm sorry. We're, we're working on it. All right. Really? Dude, I'm smoking up here. It's a fire of a fire of a fire. <laughs> okay, so we got... So, I gotta start preaching with a hanky. Travis, can you help me out, bro? I want an embroidered one, though. Can I get an embroidered one? Um, so, yes. Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. It was probably hot there, too. And so they're all building, right? And what do we know that they're doing? They're all having one focus. They all have one vision. They all have one mission. They're all building the same thing. They are in a state of unity. You guys remember that? 
right? So they're all together. What are they doing? They're building this tower unto the Lord, even though they're not supposed to. So they're in disobedience. So God says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to actually confuse them and disperse them. Look at verse 9. It says, therefore, its name is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So what happened in Genesis chapter 11, all these people got together in one spirit to do something in disobedience. And then God caused confusion and gave different languages and disperse them. What happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was a redemption of what happened in Genesis chapter 11. It was a restoration of what took place way back at the Tower of Babel because they were all together in one place. They're all together in one place. They're in disobedience. But here's the church in obedience. And then God descends, creates confusion, and gives different languages. God descends but creates clarity and gives the language of the Spirit and brings them together and sends them out into the world. It's amazing. Look at this wonderful restoration. It's so beautiful, in fact, that whenever John goes to heaven, you remember John the Beloved, John the Revelator? You guys read the book of Revelation recently? You want to get weird? Go read Revelation. Right? And what does John see when he gets up there, right? He sees people from every tribe. He sees people from every tongue. He sees people from every nation. He sees people from every background. He sees people from all over the world and they're united in one language, which is the song of worship. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. See, God works through these languages. And even though the enemy tried to use it for confusion in Genesis 11, God uses it for redemption in Acts chapter 2. It's a restoration. It's of God and it's for today. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, just to read that to you real quick. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language, every people, and every nation. Okay, let's read verse 5 through 8. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation, right? Everybody say, every nation. Amen. And at this sound, the multitude, they came together. They were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't all of these who are speaking uneducated, underdeveloped Galileans? Because these were all the educated people. These were the people with the PhDs. You know, the people who were intellectually very developed and smart. And they're like, how in the world are these guys all speaking in different languages, declaring the wonderful works of God, and they are uneducated Galileans? Right? Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit. Which is why later you'll see in the book of Acts, whenever the apostles are on trial, they're like, man... I don't know what's going on here, but we perceive that these guys have been with Jesus despite being uneducated. So, so they're, they're praying in the Spirit, and, uh, and as they do, all these people, they start to gather around. And uh, we see that they're not speaking from their rational mind, but the Spirit is providing expression. And all of these languages were being heard. And we have to note that this was a miracle of speech. This was not a miracle of hearing. Okay, so it's not that all of the Jews were endowed with a supernatural gift in the moment to hear differently, but it's that those who were in the upper room who received the promise of the Father were endowed with a supernatural gift to speak differently, and they declared different languages, and those people listened. Now, um, the languages that they spoke, they'd never spoken before. I have a friend, his name is Sapraza. You guys know Sapraza Sidoli? Anybody in here? No? You should read his book. It's called Voice in the Night. It's amazing. Uh, he's from Mozambique. And uh, the Lord has given him 15 supernatural language downloads. That means he's able to speak in 15 different languages that he never studied. I, I know you're probably like, hey, yeah, that's, that's a bold claim, right? But he's literally gone into places, countries, villages, and preached the gospel in their native tongue without ever having heard it before. And I, I would totally encourage you to uh, pick up his book and also read his stories about raising the dead. He's an amazing man of God. He said 15 languages. 
um, that he had, you know, that he had received. And when we read the list of all the people who were listening, that was 17 different places that were named, which covered the four corners of the known earth at the time. What is it that is happening in Acts chapter 2? It's the grace of God being made manifest to all nations, to all people groups. This is amazing. Instead of division, instead of confusion, instead of all these different languages, instead of all these different, you know, people picking their sides, the Spirit comes and brings unity, supernatural, holy, heavenly unity, and unites His people, prepares them to do what the church is called to do. Oh, this is good. This really isn't that crazy when you think about it, the more you read through the Bible. Because you remember, God actually spoke in tongues to a guy named Balaam through his donkey. You guys remember that? You guys remember that story? Right? God spoke in tongue to, tongues to his guy, Balaam, through his donkey. It's amazing to me that people will invest more validity into a moment of the Bible that is basically Shrek. <laughs> a talking donkey. We'll put more faith in that than we will in the idea of Acts chapter 2 that we all can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of the Father, and speak in tongues ourselves. We'll believe it more for a donkey than we will for ourselves. It's confusing. Because God wants to give us this gift. God actually spoke in tongues again to Belshazzar. You remember King Belshazzar and Daniel? Right? He spoke in tongues uh, by a mysterious hand that wrote a different language on the wall that only Daniel could interpret. God is still speaking to spiritual Babylon today, and the church has the interpretation. God spoke, to, uh, God spoke in tongues to Israel. Look at Isaiah chapter 28. Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people. Paul later confirms that in 1 Corinthians 14. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. It sounds like that what Paul was referring to and what Isaiah penned long time ago is still happening today. God's people are still speaking in tongues. God is still speaking in tongues through his people. And people are still confounded by it. They're still amazed by it. They still doubt it and they still mock it. But isn't that the thing with any area of great breakthrough? The enemy makes sure that it's shrouded in confusion. The enemy can't have you having clarity on tongues because he knows how powerful it is. It's like tithing. Slip. Oh, oh. <laughs> no way, man. It's okay. Um, the enemy works very, very hard to shroud Places of great breakthrough with confusion. He can't have you having clarity on what God wants you to walk in like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So why did God choose speaking in tongues? I'm going to finish with this. Why did God choose speaking in tongues? I got three points. So if you're making notes, you can just write it down. Why did God choose speaking in tongues? Number one, his love for all nations. That's number one. Come on, church. Isn't God good? His love for all nations. At Pentecost, he reversed the sign of the judgment of tongues at uh, Babel, and he opened the door of salvation for each and every nation. Everybody say, that's me. me. The Gentiles, every nation. God originated all languages. God can speak all languages. And it has pleased God to choose tongues as a distinct sign of Pentecost and the evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's the second reason why God chose tongues. Because he wants our tongues to be tamed by the Spirit. What does James say? Chapter 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. What did God do on the day of Pentecost? He tamed the untamable. It's amazing. 
God tamed the uncontrollable human tongue. And the tongue had to be purified in Acts chapter 2 so that it could be used to witness and to testify to the glory of Jesus for the remainder of the book of Acts. And number three is this, to show the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right? And I know there's a lot of debate over this, like, you know, whether we have the Holy Spirit or not, unless we've spoken in tongues. Let me give you my two cents on it. At salvation, we are filled with the Spirit, but there's a different experience that's available for all believers by being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. And I believe it's available for each and every person. It's like, you know, at salvation, like you get filled, right? Like you receive the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's full, right? It's just a full cup. Getting baptized in the Spirit, you know what that's like? Dropping this whole cup in a five-gallon bucket of water. And if you haven't received that experience, let me tell you, you can receive it like a free gift on Christmas. Because it was not given to any of the 120 because of their own merit. It was given to each and every one of the 120 because of God's grace and his promise. Let me prove it to you real quick. If you want to take notes, go ahead, or I'll send them out to you or something. But Acts 2, what we've read today, speaking in tongues was the evidence to both the individual and the hearer on the day of Pentecost that they had been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Later on in Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Simon the sorcerer ended up hearing them praying in the Spirit, and he asked the Apostle Peter if he could purchase the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You guys remember that? That happened in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9. The Apostle Paul received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands as well, which is why later in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he proclaims, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. That's what he said. Acts chapter 10, then also in Acts chapter 11, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit when Peter preached to them. Peter then testified that the Spirit had fallen on the Gentiles in the exact same way. Peter's words, not mine. In the beginning. When was the beginning? It was on the day of Pentecost. The Gentiles received exactly what, what they had received, the 120 Jewish people. How did Peter know that they had been filled? Because they began to speak in other tongues. Acts chapter 19, the Ephesian disciples, they received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands by Paul. And Paul knew that they had received the Holy Spirit when he heard them speak in other tongues. Acts chapter 18, later in 1 Corinthians 14, which I've mentioned, the Corinthians obviously received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Paul had to write a letter to them about the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how it was to function and to flow within the context of a local church. The church, our origins, family, they have been speaking in another language, a heavenly, holy language for thousands of years. And we continue that today as Acts chapter 29. We're still able to pray in the Spirit, be baptized in the Spirit, and speak in tongues. Jesus said the sign of tongues surely follows those that believe. And it is the Spirit church family that gives us this ability. Everybody can speak in tongues. I really believe this. And I, I understand, like, not everybody does. But I believe that in Acts chapter 2, when Peter got up and he preached that first sermon where 3,000 people got saved and everybody responded, and they said, we're cut to the heart. That's what they said in, in, in verse 37. We're cut to the heart. What are we supposed to do? What did Peter say? Repent. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues, do what Peter said. Repent. Get baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you. It's for your kids. And it's for those who are far off. As many as the Lord God shall call. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Everybody can receive this gift. It is a gift. And Paul also said it's a sign for personal edification. And I don't have time to go into you know, the letter to the Corinthians and how tongues should be properly used in a church service. You know, because I know some people say, well, you shouldn't speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter. Well, how are you going to know if there's an interpreter until you speak in tongues? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Paul says, if you pray in the spirit, you edify your own spirit. Listen, I've never had anybody DM me and say, man, you know what? I prayed in the spirit for 30 minutes today and my life got worse. When you pray in the spirit, it edifies your spirit. If you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues till you know what to pray. That's the way that you discern what the will of God is for you that day to pray out loud through your lips is by praying in the Spirit till you have the mind of the Spirit and then you pray the will of God. Tongues bless you in that way. And yes, there are times when there are interpretations. I've been in church services where somebody will stand up, they'll give a message in tongues, and then somebody will come up and they'll give an interpretation. Even if they don't know the language, they know the words by the Spirit. I've also been in other settings where people will stand up, give a message in tongues, the room just spontaneously grows quiet, and then somebody in the room says, I know that language. Can I come up and give an interpretation of what, would just, what was just said? I've had that happen multiple times. I mean, when, when, when I was in Mozambique, we had 20, I think it was 21 nationalities. And that happened on multiple occasions during the worship where somebody said, man, they were speaking Hebrew. Man, that, there was some girls there from the Faroe Islands one time. And they were like, that's a language. You, you, you know that language? They're like, no, no, we don't know that language. Paul also talked about the tongues of angels, right? He said, if I speak in the tongues of angels, but I don't have love, Right? It's possible to pray in the Spirit and those be the tongues of angels. Maybe there won't be somebody who understands the tongues of angels in that given moment, but it does not prohibit you from speaking in tongues. Paul said, let everything be done decent and in order. And I believe there's absolutely a decent and orderly way to exercise the gift of tongues in the church. And it should be and it must be exercised in the New Testament church because how else are we going to do what the book of Acts church did unless we do what the book of Acts church did? We have access to the same Holy Spirit, which is amazing. And then we have access to the Bible, which they didn't. And yet they are dwarfing us by comparison to their breakthroughs. No frequent flyer programs, no Instagram, no live streaming. And by Acts chapter 19, all of Asia had heard the gospel. So let me finish with this the exact same way I started. What would your life, be look, what would your life look like? If you just took God at his word today and said, you know what, Lord, I want to live completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I want to live completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to be an ever-present help in my times of trouble. I want to invite the dove upon my life today. Can we pray that as we close? If you don't mind to stand, let's just stand up. We're going to pray and close. You know, I remember the first time I spoke in tongues in church. The first time I was a kid, and uh, man, it was it was it was cool. I, I I remember going up front because my cousin did. I didn't even want to go. And my my cousin went up, and then they were like, "He's he's got it." That, that's when you grow up holiness Pentecostal. That's how they talk about it. He's got it. He's got the Holy Ghost. And I thought, well, if my cousin got it, I better get it. <laughs> and, and, you know, all the praying church moms, they came around, they prayed for about 30 minutes. And, you know, I received my prayer language and prayed in the spirit. And then when I lost my way and stopped walking with Jesus, of course, I never prayed in tongues. And I remember coming back and coming home and being in church for the first time and lifting my hands. And that was weird. You remember the first time you lifted your hands? Some of you guys never lifted your hands before. We're going to give you that opportunity here in a moment. You remember that first time you got out of the, just got out of the chair? You know, maybe you just, just, gave, the, just gave the Lord a wave offering. It was, it was weird the first time you did it, wasn't it? But then, then the more you did it, the more it just became natural. Because that's your natural state. 
See, you, 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 weren't, you weren't born a worshiper. You were born worshiping. Just worshiping, continual outflow. You remember the first time that you danced a little bit or maybe, maybe you did like that? You guys know what I'm talking about. You remember for the first time you were like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get involved when everybody else says amen when Lyle's preaching. Wasn't that weird? Amen. And then you started saying more colorful things like, come on. Let's go. That's right. Woo. Right? And, and, you know, it, it's kind of the same way the first time you speak in tongues. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's unique, it's different, it's a little strange, you know. But I've noticed this as a dad, I've got three kids. When my kids learn to speak in English, they never start by speaking full sentences. You notice that? When my kids started speaking English, they didn't start with clear and distinct full paragraphs. Usually they started with a syllable. In the middle of the night, two nights ago, Rua was fussing. I went and got her. And I laid her down with Allison and she looked at me and you know what she said? Da. Da. Da, da. Daddy. That's what she does. You see, there's these, just a couple syllables. And that's the way it starts with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and learning how to speak in a heavenly language. You don't have to beat yourself up because the Holy Spirit didn't hijack your body and force you to pray in tongues the last time that you asked for it. That's not the way that it works. It's a work of the Spirit with your cooperation. And you've got to let go of the embarrassment of not knowing what you're doing. You're never going to know what you're doing. You just have to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. So let's just lift our hands for a moment. We say, Lord, we thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't know who in here has never prayed in the Spirit or have been baptized in the Spirit or spoken with other tongues, but if that's you in here today with your hands lifted and just lift your head up to heaven, you can close your eyes if you want. Maybe the Holy Spirit will allow you to get a visual of a phrase or a syllable. Maybe you'll hear the Spirit whisper something. And you can just start to let that out. And it might be quietly now. It might be under your breath. It may come louder on your way home. It may happen this evening as you're practicing this new holy language given to you by the Holy Spirit, but this is for you. You don't have to study it up. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to, you know, get on fire for God enough for him to give you the gift. The Bible said that he is a giver of good gifts and he will reward anybody that will seek him. So Lord, we just ask you right now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite every single person in the room to pray with me. Pray, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I want all of you. I want to pray in tongues to glorify you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. So I can pray in tongues. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yes, we love you so much, God. Yes, yes. If you have a prayer language, would you, would you just begin to pray out in the Spirit just for a moment, please? It doesn't have to be too loud. We just want to ask you to pray in the Spirit. Lord, we thank you so much for this heavenly, holy language that you've given us. Lord, may the fire of heaven rest upon our foreheads as it did in Acts chapter 2. Lord, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and we thank you for this amazing gift that you've given to us by the grace of Jesus. Lord, as a church, we want all that the Lord Jesus paid for on the cross for us to experience. And that means the signs of the Holy Spirit. That means the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That means the gifts 
of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you for every sign, for every miracle, for every wonder, for every manifestation, everything that's in the Bible that Jesus paid for us to experience, we declare as a house, we want it, Lord. We want it. Pour it out here. This can be a house where you can work, Lord. This will be a house that's hospitable to the dove of the Holy Spirit. We don't want you to leave. We want to host you well, Lord. We want to say thanks for giving us a hospitality team, but we will be a church that's hospitable to the Holy Spirit. We will be hospitable to your spirit. We proclaim and declare today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. As everybody's standing, if you today, you just feel like, man, something started. Like you started getting that prayer language. You started feeling like something was happening. Will you just wave at me? Did anybody get anything at all? Awesome. I see you over there. Amazing. Anybody else? Come on. Can we bless them? Amazing. I didn't see any other hands, but Lord, we want to say thank you. Thank you for pouring out your spirit. I know we're, you know, we're charismatic Pentecostal church. A lot of people have spoken in tongues since they were knee high to a duck around here. And I get that. That's okay. But I just believe God's going to send us all kinds of people from all kinds of different streams that are going to receive that baptism here. You believe that? Amen. For those of you guys here in Legacy College, we're going to get in the spirit together on Wednesday. And if, if you're not in college, we're going to get in the spirit together on Thursday morning at nine. Come on, can we bless the Lord again? Just bless him real good. Amen, amen, come on. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.